We're just stretching it. Why am I stretching a lot today? Because I did a bunch of kung fu last night and it kicked my whole ass. Oh, with all your anti-vaxxers? That's fun. That's fun. Okay, okay. (laughs) So, (laughs) the guy that rolled his eyes at me when I asked him, in the nicest, like, I smized at him over the top of my mask, okay? I made every effort to convey heartfelt goodwill to this motherfucker, but he's got his nose hanging out over the top of his mask, like his dick hanging out of the waistband of his fucking jockey shorts. And I'm like, hey, would you mind putting that up over your nose real quick? Please, thanks. You know, like in a borderline Barbie voice. And maybe that's why I got an eye roll out of him, because he's been training with me long enough to know that that shit was fake as fuck. But But Um, he rolls his eyes as he puts it over his nose. And I'm like, I don't care. Roll your eyes at me, baby. I have a teenage son. Your eye rolls mean less than nothing to me. Are you sure it's because you didn't come off as super aggressive and hysterical? (laughs) (laughs) That's my default setting, bitch. (laughs) I got men projecting hysteria on me all the time. Um, uh, before, wow, okay, let's just go ahead and intro the show so that we can, we can actually get through today, because this is going to be a long one, everybody. I hope you're comfy. Yeah, get, yeah, get your, get your wine out, or if you're driving, your beer. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's impractical to drive with a wine glass, right? Yes, that, that is why you shouldn't be drinking wine while driving, right? because you might spill it. No. Oh my God! Please. I do not. I do not endorse d- drunk driving. Everyone, please don't ever take life advice from Christopher. Never. Anyway, so hey, everybody, welcome back to Dark Side Divas. Um, the what do we do? Oh, uh, <laughs> Real Housewives. <laughs> oh my God! What are we gonna do about Nini? What I, is happening? I don't know what you're talking about. I know. Right now. That's okay, so cool. sad. You're right, and yet I'm happy for you at the same time. One more time. (laughs) Come in again. Here we go. Okay. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Dark Side Divas, the podcast where a woman and a gay man express their opinions about Star Wars. My name is Stephanie. I'm the woman half of the show, and I am staring down the barrel of a whole lot of information we got to get through on today's episode, and I'm handling it well. Clearly. Certainly. I don't have, like, a a boob sweat going on already or anything. I'm good. (laughs) What? I'm fine. Wow. Okay. <laughs> and hello, everybody. I'm Chris. I'm that gay man. And Steph, is mm. reality what makes a Jedi abandon his ideals, or is it simply a response to political convenience? <laughs> I thought you were doing sexy quotes. <laughs> that was a sexy quote. <laughs> I, I, I was turned on when Satine said that. Girl, so I was like, everything Ooh, she stamp. says, everything mm. she says is art. Okay. Mm-hmm. Before we launch into what we're covering today, uh, I would like to first say, happy 3,000 followers on TikTok, Chris. Oh. <laughs> I will what? fucking end you. We, we, God, but, oh! <laughs> 
I know exactly how to get under your skin. Uh, no, uh, uh, oh, seriously, uh, not just TikTok, but like across the board, we're yeah. getting a lot of new subscribers and it's a lot of people. It's very exciting. It's also terrifying. Yeah, it's also terrifying. Thanks, but now we're nervous. Thanks, guys. Yeah. Um, but uh, but no, seriously, uh, it's been really awesome to um, to get all the attention and get all the positive feedback, which is not what I expected. Yeah, with, not at all. With, uh, with a few exceptions. Um, uh, <laughs> we've also been getting... Uh, I forgot to get their names. I promise I'll get it next episode because apparently... We're getting some shout outs at other Star Wars podcasts, but what? they are. No way. Yeah, we are. But uh, they're also <laughs> they're also wisely and intelligently noting that we are a explicit podcast. Thank you. <laughs> we are There's not an a- E next to the name, y'all. Yeah. We we uh, there are a lot of cool, amazing Star Wars podcasts out there that have deep intellectual discussions about uh togetherness and tolerance and joy found family yeah all of the themes and and we um, spend and we spend uh four hours uh, discussing the curvature of rex's ass so yeah. here we are the one that we have to imagine by the way because they don't animate that worse shit i have noticed in clone wars that uh the animators have a t- tendency to give loving thorough attention to the female posterior but all of our clones are running around like ken dolls and it's a goddamn crime i mean yeah <laughs> <laughs> i'm just saying ventress's ass and obi-wan's ass it's not fair. It's not. I just nice. assume. It's I just kind. assume the men in the Star Wars galaxy just are not rocking it. Not rocking that ass. I mean, okay, well, it's probably a different ga- different galaxy of humans with a different DNA, you know, genetic code. Thing. Yeah, 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 no, and that's that's the headcanon that we have to concoct, and that's the kind of conversation that we have on the show. Uh, yeah, um, we so we're do... called dark side divas. Yeah. It's been... <laughs> shallow you, you, do not achieve, you do not achieve moral high ground listening to our show <laughs> <laughs> we i mean I, I like to think that we do make some intelligent points from from time to time and you know, we do have uh you know a growing encyclopedia of knowledge about the star wars universe just because that's what happens when you research things but um we're mostly here for the dick so. <laughs> <laughs> So oh, make that man. really clear. <laughs> um, oh my god! <laughs> we have anyway. Thank you, uh, everyone who is paying attention and uh, and keeping us alive by doing that. Um, it's really amazing. I, I've I put a lot of work into the TikTokness and figuring that shit out, and uh, and it's really cool that uh, people are like listening and interacting and and stuff. It's just fucking awesome. I agree. I I'm I'm really flattered, and I really thank everybody and. Uh, please tell your friends about us. We would really yeah. appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. Subscribe, leave yeah. reviews. The more people that that are listening, the more fun it is for everybody. Uh, mm-hmm. The more people that you can fight with in the comment section on our TikToks. Oh please, so, please! I love that shit. <laughs> oh my god, we y'all, we are sitting here with popcorn and martinis, just like oh my god, did you see? We send each other screenshots of your comments. FYI, we're watching. We don't always interact because I don't believe in feeding trolls, but. We are watching, and we love it. All of it. <laughs> All of it. We're bad people. We're, <laughs> we're, we're just bad people. All right. <laughs> Speaking of being bad people, all right, so... If uh, you have uh, been listening to us uh, up to this point, you know what I'm about to say, so you can tune out for the next 15 seconds or so. What okay. we're doing on this podcast, yeah, not you, you have to oh. you have to stick around. 
you okay. work, you work here, bitch. You're on the clock. Here. All right. <laughs> what we are doing on this podcast is we are watching the Star Wars Visual Media Library in chronological order. Um, and what that means is that today, in the logical procession of time as it applies to Clone Wars, which isn't terribly logical because we are going by the StarWars.com official chronological order. Today we are on season two. Three episodes, y'all, <laughs> because it is a very complete arc of, of story here that spans three episodes. So it's season two, episode 12, The Mandalore Plot, season two, episode 13, Voyage of Temptation, and season two, episode 14, Duchess of Mandalore. Um, these three episodes might as well be one 60-minute episode. Yeah. In my opinion, you agree? I one hundred percent agree. Like this even, is even, this is one continuous story. Yeah, even for like a trilogy, which we've done a couple of them already, this is very t- all tied together. Like right. like you said yesterday, it's like one movie. Yeah, it's and so because it is so complete, like almost minute to minute from one episode to the next, um, there's very little downtime in between the episodes. Um, today we're going to deviate from our usual. Uh, format for these episodes where we like go through beat by beat through the episodes and recap and, and giggle, um, and, and ridicule the characters' decisions throughout. And we usually hit stuff like the Jedi fortune cookie at the top of the show or the announcer bit, which is my favorite thing in the world that Chris has ever done. Um, wow. But not today, man. It's too much. It's too much. It's too much. It's too, I agree. It's too much. Too fucking much. <laughs> <clears throat> so, uh, yeah, these episodes, are our first big leap into the Mandalore of it all. <laughs> I can't, I couldn't help watching the this trilogy. I couldn't help thinking about the impact these episodes have on like all of Star Wars from here on out. Yeah, like these three episodes land here like in the latter half of, of season two and the ripples just keep going and are still going today. Today, yeah, today. Uh, we have the introduction of the Dark Saber, Death uh-huh. Watch. Uh-huh. Uh, I mean, and then we see Mandalore for the first time. I remember hearing about Mandalorian armor because of Boba Fett. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, what does that mean? What, you know, I re- uh, what was it? Knights of the Old Republic having all these references <laughs> to the Mandalorian Wars and the Jedi. Right. An entire society of humans that are uh, essentially designed to oppose the Jedi at every yeah. turn. And mm-hmm. like it's in their blood, it's in their bones, it's what they do. And I like I remember um in the Star Wars tabletop game, Mandalorian armor was fucking badass and mm-hmm. super rare. Mm-hmm. If you could get your hands on Mandalorian armor, you became a god amongst the game. Though mm-hmm. so I don't remember them telling about talking about the material of the armor until the Mandalorian mm-hmm. show. Right. Like it didn't have a name until we got to the first episode of The Mandalorian. Mm-hmm. When suddenly we we got to hear Werner Herzog say Beskar. Beskar. <laughs> <laughs> I love that man. God, I love everything he says. Mm-hmm. I want him to read me children's bedtime stories. It wouldn't be weird. Oh, that would it's be fine. weird because it would no, be nightmares he would be giving you. <laughs> there's a recording out there in the world of it's either actually Werner Herzog or a really good Werner Herzog impersonator reading "Go the Fuck to Sleep." Amazing. Oh, it's so good. I'm gonna, I'll probably include a clip of it right here because like... <gasps> the cats nestle close to their kittens. 
the lambs have laid down with the sheep. You're cosy and warm in your bed, my dear. Please, go the fuck to sleep. It has nothing to do with anything we're talking about today. I just fucking love it. Okay. Um, so you had an idea of like how to proceed into the sea of information we're about to wade into here. Do we just want to start with Mandalore? Like the Mandalore stuff? As in the, plan- as in the planet? As, as in like it's, it's history? Because here's the thing. I only knew Mandalorian as in, you know... When I, when I was watching through Clone Wars, uh, I only knew of it as in, like, that was the armor that Boba Fett was wearing. Mm-hmm. That was the armor that Jango Fett was wearing. We've never really encountered a Mandalorian prior to these episodes. At least I hadn't. In the uh, visual media, I there are books. I know. Don't come for me. I'm aware that they exist. I have not read them, and I'm not going to, so stop talking about it. Well, I, I only remember reading one, and I, and I want to say it was a Boba Fett it was more of a Bubba Fett book than a Mandalorian book. But did you say did you say Bubba Fett? Boba, whatever. My I I heard Bubba, and that's a whole other Bubba, dude. Bubba like Fett. He, he's got like Mandalorian. <laughs> I'm overalls. a bounty hunter, y'all. He doesn't have the full armor set. He just has like half a mask. <laughs> <laughs> he, he rolls up to collect his bounties in his pickup truck. <laughs> <laughs> that can fly, because why not? Oh um, well, yeah, yeah, of course. Uh, <laughs> Bubba Fett, but. I, <laughs> Shut up! But I, I honestly, I don't. I just don't remember anything about Mandalorian society or the planet or anything. So mm-hmm. for me, my my first my first real introduction to Mandalore was this episode. Right. So I knew very little about it going into these episodes. I knew very little about uh, Mandalorian culture as a whole. Everything I know about it, I've learned from watching Clone Wars and Rebels and The Mandalorian. That's it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so. Base information about the planet itself, the planet Mandalore, okay? Mm-hmm. It is an outer rim planet. Aren't they all? <laughs> uh, <laughs> it is It is the home like so many outer rim planets, which makes sense. Because as the galaxy expands, there's just more and more space and you can have room for more planets. I get it. I get it. It's just that they're all fucking outer rim planets now. Um, anyway, it is the home of an obscure and little known people called the Mandalorians. Never heard of them. I mean... <laughs> we know more about the word Mandalorian than we know about the planet Mandalore. Um, the planet is naturally hot and arid, but was at one point thoroughly capable of supporting life until centuries of warfare rendered the planet service, service, surface, Jesus Christ, uh, <laughs> rendered yeah, the planet. Yeah, me in my accent. Jeez. I know, right? <laughs> service that Bubba Fett. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. Wait. I'm back. I'm back. I'm okay. Okay. Sorry. I uh, departed this earth for a moment. Okay. Uh, Anyway, the planet's surface has been rendered inhospitable to life after centuries of warfare. So now anybody who lives on the surface of Mandalore lives inside these domed cities that were apparently designed in Minecraft. Yeah. By the look of them. Uh, There is a moon of Mandalore. It is called Concordia. It is naturally forested because Star Wars sure do love its forested moons. Mm Mm-hmm. Centuries of warfare uh, led to every insurgent on Mandalore being uh, sent to Concordia, where they strip-mined the moon to supply their war effort. Uh, and that just seems dumb. Why are you gonna? Why are you gonna take everybody who wants to fight your face and send them to the same planet? Uh, Wait, is I, this a is this is this a penal colony thing? Is which is fun to say, penal colony. Um, 
Is this like Mandalore's Australia? Is that what's I, happening here? I mean, I, it's just history repeating itself, right? We did the same shit to certain people, and that's how you get Australia. By the way, mm-hmm. I love Australia. Australian men are, um, yeah, they're wonderful. I only know them as movie stars. I've never, I think, encountered an actual Australian person in the wild. Being American is dumb. <laughs> uh, you know how L.A. has that reputation where if if you go, you're going to see beautiful people everywhere? Uh-huh. Uh, Sydney is actually that way. Oh, and oh. it's disgusting. And, like, the, the <laughs> men, the women, uh, the rugby players, the... Uh, oh, I do love a rugby player. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, it's mm-hmm. just, it's a thigh thing. Thick thighs. Save lives. Yes. <clears throat> anyway, back on track. So, because uh, we do have a lot to cover today. Or did you need to wax poetic about the beauty of the Australian people some more? No, it's fine. We'll do. Well, I'll I'll, I'll throw some more in during this episode. Okay, okay. Uh, so <laughs> Concordia, ahead. Concordia, the moon of Mandalore, entirely inhabited by uh, all of the warlike people of Mandalore, uh, and they have it, it is its own province. It's got its own governor. Mm-hmm. Um, Mandalore itself is being currently ruled by a pacifist regime, and they are in the pursuit of peace. And this seems really dumb to me. Why? Not not the pursuit of peace. That's great. But the way that they've set themselves up, where they put everybody who can fucking fight in one place and wants to fucking fight in one place over there, and we're over here pretending you don't exist and trying to not fight. Like, that is a ticking time bomb. Just saying. I think it's... Well, there's a opti- there's a optimism, right? Like, we're going to... Mm-hmm. But here's my thing. My, my initial reaction when I saw Mandalore, Mandalore the first time and also this time when I w- rewatched it, I'm like, God, what a piece of shit planet. And then they, <laughs> and they go to Concordia. I'm like, I want to go there. So Concordia's well, pretty. Yeah. Right? So <laughs> why, were, why wasn't Death Watch like, you know, I, I like trees. <laughs> I like because, weather. <laughs> but that's the irony of their situation is everybody who's stuck on Mandalore would probably love to live on a planet where nature is trying to reclaim everything that industry and warfare has done to it and the forests are returning and stuff. The pacifists on Mandalore would probably fucking love Concordia. And the warriors on Concordia would probably fucking love a giant arid landscape upon which to test their weapons on Mandalore. So if we could just house swap, <laughs> that would be that's great. That's what Satini needed to do. Be like, Okay, okay, y'all can, y'all can take Mandalore and do what you want. We're gonna go to this moon. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna build my beach house finally because I need a tan. <laughs> I need a tan so bad. She is very like a moonlight, creamy pale. Oh my! I very, I I especially pale. noticed it like as a, in the third episode when Padme comes out. Padme's all I got. My, I just came out of the salon. I just got my Coruscant tan <laughs> when, going. When Padme Amidala has a tan standing next to you, girl, you glow. <laughs> you glow. <laughs> In the dark. Okay, okay, okay. So speaking of, like, do we have anything else, like, on on the planet itself and, like, its bizarre war history? I don't know anything about these wars that they talk about. Do you know anything about that? Is it well, relevant to today's discussion? Okay, so, well, technically... They're not necessarily canon, but Mandalorian. The Mandalorians have been responsible for bigger wars that have happened across the galaxy. That are, uh, I guess, I would say the death tolls are much more significant than the Clone Wars. Oh wow! The only reason why the Clone Wars are so disruptive is such a disruptive uh, 
a thing is, well, the entire galaxy is at war again, but the galaxy hadn't been at war like this in a very long time. And a mm-hmm. lot of societies were able to kind of get situated and get used to not being at war. Uh, Satine is very aware of the history and Mandalore was essentially narrowly lost completely Mm -hmm. because of all these wars. And so Satine was, is desperate in trying to restore, uh, her society by just saying, Hey, let's not fight. Let's not fight any more wars. And then the Clone Wars happen Mm -hmm. and she's like, okay, I, I know historically we've gotten involved we pick sides we've kicked some ass but if we do it this time they we're, we're gonna lose everything so i'm not right. gonna get involved so there was like and we learn over the course of these episodes there was a massive civil war on mandalore and satine crees her the family crees the clan whatever you want to call it they were uh part of uh, one side of that war and her life was super in danger. And so some Jedi went to do what Jedi do uh, in times like that, which is make sure that the players in the war are alive to negotiate an end to it. So they went and protected Satine. Um, and that is the extent of what I know about why there was even a civil war. And I'm sure somebody, somebody who's listening right now can tell us all about <laughs> the, <laughs> the history of the civil wars on Mandalore. We don't have the time. No. To really dive into all of that. But what we can dive into is the cast of characters for this story. Like Satine, because we've mentioned her a whole lot. <laughs> okay? <laughs> so, Duchess Satine Kreese is voiced by Anna Graves. Um, we have heard from her before. She was Sugi in the Bounty Hunters episode. Yay! Love her. Uh, Satine is, like almost everybody uh, in these episodes, a Mandalorian human. Uh, and I want to say, um, there are some really, they had a really cohesive design to the look of Mandalore and the look of the Mandalorian people themselves over the course of these episodes. Mandalore is the land of high cheekbones, <laughs> the land of glorious bone structure. Like, you could tell at a glance, looking over just like a group shot in these episodes, who was a Mandalorian and who was not. Yeah. Because the native Mandalorian people are like, chiseled my god the bone structure on that planet mm. mm-hmm. Mm. Mm-hmm. anyway uh so satine and her cheekbones uh are the pacifist leader of the new mandalorians she is trying to guide her people away from war keep them neutral in the republic conflict with the separatists because i don't know if you are from a planet that uh, literally nearly destroyed itself in war maybe maybe some change be a good idea maybe you just flip the script on that a little bit stop Fucking fighting all the time. Uh, right. She is, she is also the designated regent of 1,500 other systems. She's the voice of the neutral planets in this conflict. And so she is speaking for literally thousands of planets full of literally millions of people who do not want to be in the Republic's war with the Separatists. Girls got a lot of responsibility. That Yeah, I was... That's, that's a lot of burden of responsibility right there. Right. Um... Now, as for, uh, I could not confirm or find any strict denial that she is named Satine after the character from Moulin Rouge. Uh, absolutely not. No, I super suspect it because it's too, it's too easy. It's too ironic. Come on. Obi-Wan Kenobi was played in the movies by Ewan McGregor, who played Christian, the lovesick boyfriend of Satine, the Spock-winged diamond from Moulin Rouge. It's her. 
the sparkling diamond. And now his character's girlfriend, not her, not his girlfriend, it's not his girlfriend, oh my god, denial, but his character's girlfriend in these episodes is named Satine? Come on now. They could have picked any combination of consonants and vowels in the galaxy to name this woman, and they named her Satine? Come the fuck on. Let's let's uh, sidebar real quick, and okay. so people can understand why I'm sighing and currently in pain. <laughs> Musicals are not my favorite genre, right? I like That's why you never them. made it in theater, baby. Yeah, right. Yeah. So at one point in my life, maybe college, I think it was. Yeah, uh, somebody says, "Oh, have you seen Moulin Rouge?" And I'm all, "I don't like musicals." Blah blah blah. But then I uh, I was forced to watch it, and hey, you know what? I liked it. Yeah. You know and, why? And, because Ewan McGregor smiles his smiley, smiley smile and sings love songs. And that'll make you like anything. My gift is my song. And this one's for you. Uh, but after being played it 600 times <laughs> in the span of like a week. Oh, oh no, who did that? <clears throat> who did that? Are you fucking kidding me? It wasn't me. I did not do that. Uh, I made it, you watch Romper Stomper. I didn't make you watch that. <laughs> oh God! Oh, oh. <laughs> no, no, no! You did. You did, and our college quote friends uh, did uh, all the time, and it drove. And well, okay, but when did Moulin Rouge come out? Like it was really big. It was huge. Yeah. Yeah. And and he's so Lady Marmalade. He's so pretty. He's very, very pretty, but you know what? There are movies where he's prettier. It's true. And nakeder. And nakeder, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, you know, you're not wrong. There were some quality choices that could have been made a little better at the time. What I think is really <laughs> adorable, it's super adorable, I found this in multiple comments on the internet, that people think, oh, also, uh, it's the Duchess Satine, because the character Satine in Moulin Rouge was, was engaged to the Duke, and then she would have been the Duchess after they got married. And I'm like, pump your brakes, children. What? What? Engaged to the Duke? No, honey, she was contracted to the Duke, because yeah. she was a whore. Because she was a courtesan. And you know what the Duke did to her? He sexually assaulted her. Mm-hmm. He creeped on her. He tried to enslave her. This was not a, oh my God, she was going to be the Duchess someday. Watch the movie. Do your research. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. God. No, it does not. No. I, I, <clears throat> okay, I'm going to quit sputtering in musical theater, kid, and bring it on back to the point. Satine's character, in something I was able to confirm in a, an interview with Dave Filoni, is Uh-oh. based on Kate Blanchett's performance as Queen Elizabeth in the movie Elizabeth. I love it. I know. She is written and designed to be 100% the equal, if not better than, Obi-Wan Kenobi. She has intelligence, courage of her convictions, commitment to her cause, and the sass. Well, Master Kenobi... My shining Jedi Knight to the rescue once again. Oh my god. She can match him on every level and exceed him in many. And I say that as someone who, even after having watched all three of these episodes multiple times over the course of the week, because I do my thorough research and I love looking at him. I don't know where I was going with this. I'm still in love with him. But... I don't know why. But she's too good for him. Yep. 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 There we go. Okay. Amen. Amen to that. <laughs> Amen to that. 
So that that is our our major new character in these three episodes is Duchess Satine Kreese. She is a fucking powerhouse, and mm-hmm. I love her. I love, love. her so much. Oh my god. Okay, who else do we need to talk about? Shit. Okay, um, <laughs> going through my list of major characters. Um, her opposite in this Mandalorian situation, we don't know that know it in the first episode, but we damn well know it by the end of the first mm-hmm. episode, is Governor Pre Vizsla of Concordia. He's the guy that's in charge of the planet full of warriors. That guy. How could he betray her? I don't know. He <laughs> How is he the so one trustworthy. to betray her? Oh my god, it's such a surprise. He's, he's calling her into a meeting in a room that's got a painting that literally depicts the Mandalorians crushing the Jedi in war, but I'm sure he's a good guy. I'm sure he's great. He's great. Anyway, do you know do you know who his voice actor is? Uh, I do, actually. Because I, I, I was like, that voice. I know that voice, but I'm going to let you say it. <clears throat> Governor Previsla is voiced by Jon Favreau. Mm-hmm. Actor, producer, director, John Favreau. You know, uh, guy res- that guy responsible for the production of Mandalorian? The Mandalorian. Yeah, that guy. Uh, so you may know him, if you can hear the sound of my voice, you may know him as the guy who brought us the Mandalorian. Maybe you know him as Happy Hogan from the MCU movies, the guy who organizes Tony Stark's life for him when Pepper Potts isn't doing that. Oh, my God. He's the guy who brought us the MCU, to be clear. He was like, hey, let's make an Iron Man movie. If it works, it works. And thus the MCU was born. Yeah. I, I met John Favreau, not personally in, in watching on films, in Swingers. You remember Swingers? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, my God. A, God, he was hot back then. He's hot now. All oh. Favreaus are hot. Okay. He has always been hot. I like Jim Bunny Favreau. I like massive Jim Bunny Favreau from The Replacements, which is my comfort movie. Do you remember The Replacements? Oh, my God. The football movie where he's just all muscle and super aggressive. And I'm like, get the ball. I'll get the ball. That guy. I need that ball. Get me the ball. You need the ball. Get me the ball. Get you the ball. Are you going to get me the ball? Oh, I'll get you the ball. I hope he doesn't kill somebody. I love him so much. I love dad bod food truck Favreau. All of the Favreaus are sexy Favreaus. Fabros, Fabros. I'm going to start a fan club for John Fabro if it doesn't exist already called the Fabros. Okay. That sounds like the group of people who uh, have made a fan club for him so he could save uh, uh, Star Wars from Kathleen Kennedy. Oh my God. Okay. I'm backing away from this concept so fast. Oh my God. Because, you know, he's, that's how corporate structures work is he he overrides her decisions and makes shows. Yeah, and then yeah. doesn't lose his job for that. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, uh-huh. Anyway, anyway. I love John Favreau uh, so much because competency. We talked about the competency boner last time. Mm-hmm. Huge competency boner for John Favreau. Uh, super huge respect for his talent and uh, and all of that. And would you look at his face? Look at his face. So what you're saying is that John Fa- John Favreau is hot. He can get it. He can get all of it. Anyway, so uh, Previsla is a Mandalorian human male, and he's shady as fuck from the get-go. Oh, my God. And he is absolutely uh, Satine's counterpart in the entire Mandalore situation. Except he's a bit of a bitch. He is kind of a bitch. And not in a cool, awesome empowerment way, in a cowardly, bitchy way. In a in a Veruca Salt is it Veruca Salt in a Veruca Salt kind of way. Yeah, yeah. I want the world. 
I want the whole world. I want to lock it all up in my pocket. It's my bar of chocolate. Give it to me now. I want the planet of Mandalore, Daddy, and I want it now. <laughs> is every phone call he makes to Dooku throughout these episodes. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, he's got a whole song number about it. They cut it out of the episode. They but cut, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. There's a little red dress. It's cute. Anyway. Dooku does a baton twirl. It's really weird. <laughs> <laughs> so those are and, and of course we've got you know our our obi-wan kenobi and anakin skywalker and whatever retinue they bring with themselves to the situation mainly this these episodes really center around the relationship the conflict the interactions between obi-wan kenobi and satine crease mm-hmm. the whole time satine satine is the blueprint for how you get out of the clone wars and how you yeah. prevent the sith from winning mm-hmm. and it it, it requires you to do the hardest thing possible in a war, and that's basically nothing. Right, because the temptation to get involved is super high, But she and she would love to maybe sometimes for herself, but she doesn't think about herself. She's thinking about everyone behind her. Mm-hmm. Like, she is standing between millions of people and the fires of war. Mm-hmm. And so you, she's she's got to have... Super strong, super towering beliefs and convictions and stick to them. She can't waver. And like, she doesn't have the luxury that Obi-Wan has of thinking about possibly wavering. She just doesn't. No, because if she wavers, millions die. Um, couple of quick notes, jumping back to Mandalore itself and the look and design of Mandalore. I want to say this so, so we can get it out of the way. Mm-hmm. Um, they were really big in the design of this, uh, cubist style was a really big thing for them. Like there's a portrait of Satine in the hall that is very Picasso. Yeah. Uh, the giant painting in Pre Vizsla's bar, bar slash conference room, uh, is based on Picasso's Guernica and it does show a Mandalorian just stomping the shit out of a bunch of Jedi like the cubist design, um, all of the architecture is very angular and very cubist. And the design that is featured over and over and over in the architecture on Mandalore is the Mandalorian diamond. Mm-hmm. The the iron heart, the carta beskar, as they call it. The thing that's in the middle of Boba Fett's chest plate. Yeah. And that's really in the middle of every Mandalorian's armored chest plate. Which is so cool. Anyway, it, sorry. Sorry. It, it, it is cool. <laughs> and it's everywhere. Um mm-hmm. But the, they kind of, I feel like they take the cube idea a little too far in the design of the city. Um, it's very cubes. It's cubes. There's cubes everywhere. Even the plants are cubes. There's a lot of topiary. <laughs> Cubity cube cube. Cube cube. Yeah. Especially the 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 main uh, throne room, I guess, is what mm-hmm. it is. Which we're going to see a lot of times and a lot of contexts well, over the course of this series. That throne room is fucking pivotal. Well, that's that was that's the thing. This is the first time I've seen these episodes since I saw uh, season seven Clone Wars. Mm-hmm. So I felt I had I had goosebumps because I'm thinking about the last time we see this room, which is when Maul tries to tell Ahsoka the truth about Anakin. Yeah, and it's just yeah. like, ugh. Anyway, yeah. Okay, but we will get to that heartbreak in nine years when we, <laughs> <In 20 laughs> when we finally get there. We'll, we'll, um, we'll get there when we get there. 
So uh, jumping back to the the characters real quick, there are a couple of guys that we need to talk about um, very quickly. There is uh, Prime Minister Almec, who I could not stop calling him All Neck. Did you see how long his neck is? It's very, it's very he's like, long. He's like, like if he were a human being, he would be a straw. He you know? is like thin. he, he's like a, the the Clone Wars CG version of the Tartagovsky Clone Wars characters with their enormous <laughs> necks. Like, is that what I don't understand? Anyway, at this point in the story, he's just sort of a generic bureaucrat who kind of keeps shit running when Satine's away. He's the prime minister. Uh, he's voiced by a guy named Julian Holloway. He does other Clone Wars characters. We'll hear him. He'll fr- hear from him later. Um, for right now, Prime Minister Almec is just a, a chess piece that's on the board. He's not super important during these three, but I want to mention oh. him because he will be important he, later. Oh, he sure will be. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yep. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, and there's another guy who's hanging around. He's like, swaddled in blankets uh <laughs> just sort of loitering near Satine. uh his name is tal merrick uh Aww. and he is voiced by what awe okay we'll get to it yeah we'll uh, get to it. he is voiced by greg proops who i mainly know from whose line is it anyway oh yeah yeah i never was, i i totally didn't realize that. yeah uh, he is also one of the pod race announcers from The Phantom Menace. That little human being is out of his mind! Anyway, Tom Merrick is a human male. He is the prince of and senator representing Calavella. Cal- Calavala. God, that's yeah. hard to say. Calavala, yeah. which is another planet in the Mandalore system. He is a member of the Council of Neutral Systems. He works with Satine, ostensibly, to keep the neutral systems neutral. Mm-hmm. We'll see how long that lasts. We'll see how well he does. How did that, how did that work out? Motherfucker. <laughs> anyway, uh, so yeah, I think that's that's it. We're super like linear and very organized in this episode. But Apparently. I think that's it for like, the major characters and the planet itself. Do you have anything else you want to touch on before we start getting into the shit that goes down? Uh, I have a bunch of new ship stuff I want to get to, but I think we'll oh, get yeah. there. I think we'll get, well, let's talk about it right now. So we, we, yeah, cause we're not doing a point by point recap. We said no, we weren't we going to do that cause we can't, it's too much. Uh, so in the first episode, uh, Satine will, uh, after all the threats of the first episode are somewhat resolved, she gets into an upside down penis ship. <laughs> <laughs> really? Cause I thought it was a flying Hitachi magic wand. I don't even know what that is, but that's is because that a you sex don't toy? have a you don't have a vagina. Yes, it's a sex toy. Okay, Tachi okay. <laughs> wand. <laughs> you know what? I'll, you keep talking. I'm going to find you a picture. Oh, uh, that's not what I was expecting you to say. I was expecting. Okay, so listen to this, and a vibrating sound happens. Like, oh, keep it <laughs> by your desk. Keep that hey? by my desk. Don't yeah. be silly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So uh, there's a special. Uh, so they don't come up too often. Uh, there's a big reference. There's a major key point in Solo, the movie that Stephanie loves, where it includes a vessel like <laughs> I this. I do. I do. I don't. Yeah. So a the Cor- Coronet, uh, a Noir class the coronet. yacht. The I don't coronet. care. Uh, anyway, because there- coronet means crown, bitch. Ah, cool. That's why it's the royal vessel. <laughs> So anyway, so there are types of vessels in Star Wars, or both in Legends and in Canon, where ships that basically look like flying skyscrapers are not warships, they are yacht ships. Mm -hmm. Luxury ships for diplomats, for have parties. There are uh, just, (laughs) like as demonstrated in the second second episode, uh, there are uh, sex rooms. 
<laughs> that Satine will hang out in, apparently. Right? Like, why is she sitting on a pile of pillows on a pedestal in the middle of the room? On a mattress. It's a on fucking a mattress. Ma- that's for, like, ten people. For fuck's sake. Yeah. By the way, I sent you that picture. Go look at it. Oh, my gosh. I don't know if I want to see this. It is the product box that I found on Amazon. You can just buy a magic wand on Amazon. Well, isn't that where you get your... That's just where I get my lube. Right. Well, Amazon has everything. <laughs> oh, I thought those were massage. Oh, girl. Do you know how many vibrators have been sold throughout the history of humankind yeah. as, quote, massagers? Yeah, it's supposed to massage something. <laughs> you could use it on your muscles, I guess, but there are better ways to get that thing to relax you. I mean, it's. I mean, I, you know what Disney should do. <laughs> Tell me. You already know where I'm going to go, don't you? I know, but I want to watch you go there. <laughs> they should sell lightsabers that are basically, you know. <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah, Disney, hit us up. We'll we'll get your uh, your after dark productions going. Yeah, there we go. There Absolutely. we go. Anyway, so yacht, yacht ships are uh, are seen uh, sporadically throughout the Star Wars cinematic universe, specifically mm-hmm. in the background in the Last Jedi. Mm-hmm. It's a major set point in Solo. That's where they do all their fighting at the end. Right. Um, they're typically they are not warships they are not designed to <laughs> yeah no survive. this doesn't have weapons like the coronet was intentionally designed uh, again interview with dave filoni intentionally designed to be like the titanic in space yeah all the way down to the extreme class divide between the upper decks and the lower decks like the upper decks are all super opulent and wealthy it's like flossed in paradise up there Hotel of a thousand and one follies, lollies, and lick lollies, a magic fountain flow of non-stop wine, women, and all night long. And the lower decks are like the set of Alien. Yep, yep. And if you compare the interior design to this ship, to the ship in Solo, to the casino in Last Jedi 2, there mm. are intentional like uh, design matches. Yeah. Because yeah. Uh, luxurious places in Star Wars, I guess, look the same. <laughs> no matter what yeah. system you're on. It's all the same tacky design, interior designer. One interior designer just, like, took over everybody's yeah. stuff. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the other piece of technology, I... Uh, these things are so fucking gross. I hated watching them on on, on the screen. <laughs> uh, assassin droids. So... Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> Uh, Sorry, I love them. (laughs) I fucking hate them. They are so gross. Okay. Love. I I just don't like spiders very much. Unless tarantulas, for some reason, they don't freak me out. These ones freak me out. So um, SDK4 assassin droids were designed by the Separatists. Their design were inspired by the Viper droids that were first Mm -hmm. introduced in Empire Strikes Back. Uh, The larger ones are just SDK4s. They are designed to house and charge much much smaller grosser disgusting uh <laughs> probe killer droids uh they are designed to sneak in somewhere and kill somebody uh, right. essentially mm-hmm. and they are horrible they are fucking yeah. horrible so these giant awful monstrous red-eyed spider assassin droids have little baby like the you know the horror of when you think you kill a spider and then suddenly it like scatters into thousands of little baby spiders that's what happens with these assassin droids. And every encounter with them down in the hold of the coronet was beat for beat, practically shot for shot, the movie Alien. 
Yeah. Down to like the moment when R2 like surprises what's his face? Uh Mixer? Yeah. Or Red Eye. It was, it was one of them. Red Eye and Mixer are the two clones that are down there. Red Eye, get it, get it, Red Eye, because he was killed by something with red I hate, eyes. I, I, get I, it? The, the names are killing me now. Fucking hell. Anyway, R2 surprises him, and that is the moment where the cat surprises the crew member on uh the Nostromo. Mm-hmm. And then they turn around and the alien's right there. And then another guy gets grabbed and like yanked up. Oh god. Then, yeah, it's a straight out of alien. It yeah. was awesome. Loved it. The absolute worst scene in Clone Wars history, uh, <laughs> from a and by worst I mean gross, is when one of those little uh, spider thingies crawled into the inside of a clone's mask. I know. I fucking was dying. No, thank you. I thought you were going to say when uh, Anakin's walking down the hall and he thinks he sees Red Eye, but it's actually Red Eye's corpse being puppeted by an assassin droid out of the shadows. That, <laughs> like, oh, that, shit. I, just, that I just thought was funny. <laughs> <laughs> Shut up. I hated it. I did not. The animators did a really good job of 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 animating the motion of a corpse being puppeted by a droid it's so gross it was so gross it was awful it was so good okay um sorry go on any other tech uh that those those are the main new tech that got introduced everything else we've seen before with oh oh i forgot one thing oh the death watch ships oh my god (laughs) uh Comorc class fighter transport ships, also known as the Gauntlet Starfighter series ships. Okay, when we, did we see, see these, these ships, ships all the way up till now, like they're in the Mandalorian. Okay, but when did we see them in these episodes? Uh, the very uh, very first episode, we saw them a lot because you see mm. them getting. Oh right, right, right. Mm-hmm. Uh, you see the the uh, Mandalorians that the evil Mandalorians again, the Death Watch Mandalorians are right. loading them up for storage and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you see them in the third, uh, in the second episode when <laughs> when what's his name is talking to Dooku, and in the and in the third episode, the same thing. So okay. They get shown a lot, and you'll notice that other ships in, on Mandalore they have the same wings. Like they, when they land, they flip vertical, mm-hmm. but they don't have that cool, smooth like inner, uh, body that the mm-hmm. Death Watch ships do. So, cool. Hey, um, when would be a good time for you to tell me what the fuck is up with the dark saber? Oh, uh, are you gonna tell? Are you gonna tell us about the dark saber? Today? I am gonna tell you about the dark the dark saber. Because the Darksaber sure does make its very first appearance at the end of uh, the first one. God, yeah. what's this episode called? Shit, hold on. In yeah. case you guys want, the Mandalore The Mandalore plot. plot. Season 2, episode 12 of Clone Wars, at the end of the Mandalore plot, the fight scene at the end, is when the Darksaber makes its first canon visual story appearance. And... Uh, yeah, it stays relevant, kids, all the way through Clone Wars, all the way through Rebels, well into the Mandalorian, where it's still a problem. So, Chris, what do you know about the Darksaber? The Darksaber is a very old lightsaber that was first developed by a the, one of the first Mandalorians ever to be inducted into the Jedi Order. It's not very common for your bitter and your bitter most hated enemy to recruit you into their order. So uh-huh. there aren't a lot of Mandalorians that, <laughs> yeah. that that show up for school, so to speak. <laughs> uh, I think the name of the Mandalorian that uh, created it was uh, Tar Vizsla. Oh God, it's a Vizsla. Yeah, okay. yeah. So that 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 right there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, during one of the wars that. Um, the, where the Jedi Mandalorians are fighting each other, uh, a Mandalorian, I assume another Vizsla, breaks into the the, uh, the Jedi Temple and steals the Darksaber and begins using it as a symbol 
uh, to call all uh, Mandalorian houses to their side and start a war. Mm -hmm. It loses its status during the time when Satine uh, rises to prominence because to her, the Darksaber is a symbol of war. Which right, she's because not, it super is. Because it super is. Yeah. Um, uh, th now, there are, you know, some of this is not necessarily canon because there's stuff in books about... The Darksaber had been mentioned in books before uh, before the Clone Wars. So its its inclusion in the Clone Wars, was uh, the Clone Wars show, was a big deal for us mm -hmm. uh, book-reading Star Wars geeks. But uh, supposedly in a few a few episodes, the dark saber has the power if the if another lightsaber makes contact with it and continues like touching it, mm -hmm. uh, the dark saber can break the kyber crystal of the other lightsaber. Holy shit! Yeah. So okay. uh, we do we do see the dark saber later on. It eventually rises back into prominence as a as a leadership symbol because. As we know, the Mandalorian houses lose strength and unity, mm -hmm. and there's just tons of infighting, and then they suddenly lose everything to the Empire. And right. uh, a character in Rebels will eventually uh, get in possession of the Darksaber, but we'll talk about that in like five years. <laughs> <laughs> we will get there when we get there. It is a long story with the Darksaber. It is practically a character in this saga in and of itself. Yeah. Its inclusion at the end of the first season of Mandalorian was fucking awesome oh uh, yeah my whole mind popped out of my, my skull at that yeah. one just what yeah okay the dark saber is so fucking cool i love it i love i love legendary items i love excalibur i love mjolnir i love legendary weapons that have such a force of story and belief behind them that they practically become personalities and and autonomous entities in and of themselves i fucking love it Give yeah. me that in a story. Give it to me. And Steph, who has the dark saber now in modern day Star Wars? <laughs> my boyfriend. Uh, uh, my boyfriend. Get your hands off him. <laughs> Everybody's boyfriend. <laughs> I know, right? Pass him around. Space Dilf boyfriend. That boyfriend. Oh my god! I cannot wait for season three. He's oh, the it needs to come out now. Okay. Mm -hmm. Anyway. Okay. Uh, so, anything else as far as the dark saber? No, it's generally a badass weapon. Uh, I'm kind of shocked Palpatine doesn't want it for himself. Maybe he just doesn't want the emotional baggage. I don't know. Uh, yeah, he seems to dismiss it entirely. Yeah. He, like, doesn't, he doesn't acknowledge it at all. No. Really. And I think I think it's because he's a little jealous. <laughs> he's a little... He's like, he's he's Mariah carrying the Darksaber. They're like, hey, Darth Sidious, did you hear about the Darksaber? And he's like, I don't, I don't know, know her. her. <laughs> <laughs> That's what's happening there. Okay, headcanon accepted. I love All that. right. So there is a major dynamic, an unavoidable dynamic that colors all three of these episodes. And that is the romance between Obi-Wan Kenobi and Satine. Before we talk about the Obi-Wan Satine dynamic, I do want to talk about Dooku because Okay. I know. I have been saying for literally months, I feel like at this point, where the fuck is Dooku? We haven't seen Dooku in a while. Right? Well here he is. Well, if we're if we're gonna include our headcanon with the situation. <laughs> so Dooku's out of spreadsheet hell, right? And he's like, Finally I'm gonna do something. I'm you know, I'm with my fleet now and I'm gonna start right. barking orders at people. So uh -huh. The very first scene with Dooku and Vizsla, or Vizsla, uh, how do you Vizsla. It? Vizsla. It's Vizsla. Okay. Uh, he's like, all right, I'm ready to be financially supported by the Separatists. And Dooku's like, whoa, whoa. <laughs> A, who are you? <laughs> no. And B, we don't have the money right now because see, my boss 
did this crazy murder thing with children and didn't work out. <laughs> there is a fucking Zillow beast. There. I have this guy. I don't know if you've heard of him. His name is Grievous, and he's like a fucking blender for droids. <laughs> I have to constantly give him cash for his stupid-ass droids. He's, he's lost four fleets that I know about. <laughs> right? So, uh, so there's a... <laughs> in, so I, I come from the tech world in Silicon Valley, and there are two kinds of uh, support you can get. Uh, mm-hmm. The actual real support, the financial support, and then the the bullshit support. Okay. And for some reason, only in Silicon Valley is the bullshit bullshit support considered more valuable than the financial support. So okay. let me give you an example. Do because I'm confused. Okay. Hey, I'm a I'm a tech startup owner. I need money. Uh-huh. Venture capitalist, can you please help me? I need like ten million dollars. Mm-hmm. Venture capitalist says, uh, no, but I can tweet about you. I'll pay you an exposure. Oh, really? You're going to tweet me? That's so much better than $10 million, even though I can't pay me it myself and my, my staff. Thank you so much. I'll take it. Oh, my God. That's the, that's the dynamic right here with Dooku and, and Vizsla, because essentially Dooku knows that Palpatine's actually going to do shit for him for free, mm-hmm. right, in his in his power position. Vizsla doesn't know that, so uh, Dooku's like, We're, I'll tweet about you on face and put you on <laughs> Facebook and we'll get two people to hate each other, and it'll be fine. You don't even have to lift a finger. <laughs> but this was like, give me troops. Give me droids. I have to go march on my planet. <laughs> Dooku's like, no. <laughs> <laughs> but I'll put you on Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, you can if you want, but you're going to lose. Yeah. yeah. You're going you're gonna to lose. Um, yeah. Poor Dooku. Bless him. He's just trying to make, he's just, tr- he's just trying to win a war. He doesn't know that he's not destined to do that. Well, no, he's not trying to win a war. He's trying to cause more war. He's doing what his boss wants him to do, which is tear the galaxy apart. Yeah. But Dooku, I feel, has always had his eye on the prize after. Oh, yeah. That's why he's obsessed with the budget, because he wants to be able to run the galaxy after he tears it apart. Me and my master will be together. We'll get to hang out finally and not be secretive (laughs) anymore. We can play cards. We, We can come out. I know. We can be we, open about our relationship. We can have Sith Pride month. <laughs> it's it's a rainbow of all of the shades of black. Yeah, like it's just an arc of darkness. Well, yes. you know. Yeah. Can we include the Jedi? No. 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 <laughs> They're not invited. Like They're not the safe NYPD. For children. Sorry, I what? had to make that joke. Hmm? Okay. Nothing. What? Nothing. I made an NYPD joke at the same time. We we both made inappropriate jokes at the same time. Yeah, okay. Uh, which I think effectively canceled each other out. Yeah, that's so. true. We're, we're good yeah. people. Okay. <laughs> um, do we have anything else on Dooku? Not right now. I just wanted to make that... I, I just thought that... I thought that dynamic was so hilarious because I'm like, if Dooku just sent this dude like a lot of droids right now, they could just blow up Satine real quick and Obi-Wan in the process. Right. But yeah, no, but no, we're gonna do the right. we're gonna do the Sith convoluted thing for anyway. Absolutely, but, yeah. it just, like if the guy on the coronet who ultimately, by the way, Tal Merrick turns out to be a traitor, and he's the one who's trying to kill Satine mm-hmm. on the ship. He's the one who brought the the assassin droids. Uh, he literally puts a gun to Satine's head and uses her as a hostage to get himself off the ship. Yeah, and he rigged the whole fucking thing with explosives. If he had just pushed the button. Would have ended a lot of problems. A lot of problems. Anakin, Anakin Skywalker's on that ship, you guys. That would have ended a lot of problems for the galaxy right there. I'm not saying 
that Death Watch, the terrorist organization, should have been allowed to carry out this particular terrorist attack on the Coronet ship. I'm not saying that would have been a good thing. I'm just saying... Well, not a good thing, but the smart thing. (laughs) A lot of problematic threads in the galaxy would have been cut right then. Mm -hmm. All right, so I was thinking... um, Before we get into the romance, which I really do want to talk about because of who I am as a person. um, (laughs) We We got to talk about the sex. (laughs) (laughs) What sex? Um, We should probably talk about Death Watch. Oh, yeah. Because I did just call them a terrorist organization like a second ago. Well, they kind of are right now. They super fucking are. Um, So Death Watch is its own enormous entity throughout Clone Wars and again into Rebels. Uh, but to to hear it get name-checked in The Mandalorian when you didn't realize you were looking at Death Watch the whole time, that was a hell of a thing. And you are a child of the Watch. I, yeah, I mean, I the, Mandal- the thing about The Mandalorian is the inclusion of all this stuff. Mm-hmm. And I, I've... After watching these episodes, I, I know John Favreau was involved with these episodes, and I was thinking, I wonder how much of this particular involvement with the story it inspired him to include it into the show. Oh, 100%. Yeah, There's right. no way that he hasn't been thinking about this story since long before he was even cast as Pre Vizsla. Like, yeah. Yeah, no, this has been inside Favreau's head for a hot minute. Um, so where where did Death Watch even come from? Do you know much about the history of Death Watch? You know, I, I well... I, I do know that Death Watch is a re- the, the name and the organization is relatively a new name. Mm-hmm. The house itself is old, right? The all, house, all, house Vizsla is old. Yeah, all the all the houses are very old. So mm-hmm. it, it's a it's a name that Viz, Vizsla creates to inspire uh, other Mandalorians to join its cause. They want to because retru- it sounds so badass. It sounds it might so well badass. Be called, it should be called like Ninja Blade, like <laughs> <laughs> really. Evil dark warrior organization. It people. sounds like it sounds I'm not like propaganda. Good with <laughs> it sounds like marketing. It sounds like propaganda, and it is so. <laughs> Duke is like, you can't call yourself the the Vizsla gang. You have to think of something better and cooler. <laughs> you can't, and no, we already shot down the super dudes. Back yeah, up. we already shot down the super dudes. <laughs> <laughs> well, what about uh, Death Watch? Hmm, that sounds Sithy enough. I like it. You know, I like it. I like it. Roll with it. But no, they want to return Mandalore uh, back to its original prominence and inflict war across the galaxy because mm-hmm. these Mandalorians believe that they are the superior warriors and they should rule the galaxy. You know, that sort of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. as one does. As one does, yeah. And they are willing to terrorize people to do it. Mm-hmm. I mean, there, there's no two ways about it. Death Watch is a terrorist organization. They are using terror to to recruit they're using terror to spread their message to undermine the authority against which they are uh fighting they they're setting bombs in civilian locations they're they're trying to keep the populace uncertain this is all intentional and this is all a really super common tactic and is this where we start we point out that star wars is super political no there's nothing to do with politics don't you know 
You're right. You're right. My bad. There's certainly not any parallels between a small insurgent group uh, willing and capable of extreme violence uh, trying to take over an entire larger population and provoking a foreign government to come and occupy that larger population to sow uh, distrust and discontent amongst the population, thus turning the population to support the small terrorist group. That's certainly not anything that's ever happened in the Middle East. Or Europe. Or your or, or anywhere, yeah. <laughs> this is human history. Yeah. We have this is this is an ancient political situation. This is our current political situation. Yeah. There is no getting around the fact that this story arc in these three episodes parallels these situations. This is politics. This is super political. Anybody who says keep your politics out of Star Wars is um, willfully ignorant. Yeah. The Mandalorians have different ideologies. Some of them want to be pacifists and right. some of them almost almost like they're people. Right. With differing points of view. Uh, some of them want to be isolationists. Some of them mm. want to be super aggressive and warrior like. So right. Death Watch is the extreme ideology of the side that wants to be more of a warrior uh, mm-hmm. society. And, you know, we have that, you know, in this country as well, we have people who are right wing and conservative, and then people who are straight up MAGA, uh, trying to uh, murder Congress people in the Capitol, you know, right. And mm-hmm. that's, mm-hmm. and uh, mm-hmm. Death Watch mm-hmm. is MAGA, <laughs> for for lack of a better Whoa. word. Uh, they yeah. are the right. extreme, they are the extreme willing to commit violence, willing to spread bigotry and hatred. And uh, feeling the 100% totally justified Mm -hmm. like they've got the right on their side Mm -hmm. so yeah no star wars is political there are relevant political lessons to learn here and i love that these lessons are being taught in a children's show yeah gotta gotta go ahead and get those critical thinking skills in early people and there is a spoonful of sugar to help the medicine of the political lesson go down. Would you like to hear what I think that spoonful of sugar is? Uh, I already know what it is, but let's talk about Obi-Wan and Satine now. (laughs) (laughs) So, I don't know if you or the listeners know this about me, but I fucking love romance novels. Oh my god. I fucking love romance novels. I, I, y'all, when I, when I lived with Stephanie, <laughs> I tripped, uh, there are two things I tripped on all the time. Uh, I stepped Your on. Your own feet. My, well, okay. Three things I stepped, <laughs> I tripped on all the time. Uh, dice, which was my mm-hmm. fault. Mm-hmm. Uh, def- uh, stepping on a D4 sucks. It still oh sucks, God. by the way. Those are, those are poor man's caltrops right there. Love uh-huh. It. Uh-huh. And then, uh, I, I would, uh, trip over romance novels. love romance novels i am a connoisseur of romance novels i briefly considered trying to get a romance novel podcast going but that market's a little glutted um because they're reading their goddamn romance novels instead of listening about it but okay (laughs) but no there's a lot there's a lot of romance novel podcasts heather oh really oh yeah oh my yeah (laughs) <laughs> no, the 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 reader community of women and because it used to be like when when I was uh, back in the day, kids, romance novels were not something that you could be proud of reading. It was like, oh my god, it's just porn for women. Like, yeah, fucking a right, it's porn for women. Uh, let me read my porn in peace. And part of the porn is the emotional aspect. It's the relationships. It's the interactions. It's not just like and skip to the banging it out. Um, Boring. 
I know, right? But do you remember? <laughs> but but I uh, do you remember the Anita Blake Vampire Hunter series? Uh, you made me read those. Yes, <laughs> made you. You liked it. Um, the thing about that series, it's it, it's a really good sort of paranormal romance mystery series up to a point, and then it's just smut, mm-hmm. smutty smut, 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 smut. And there's a time and a place for smut, but. Like when you find yourself just skipping a dozen pages looking for quotation marks that indicate that maybe somebody's talking again, maybe somebody's taken somebody else's body parts out of their mouth long enough to say a thing. <laughs> that would be great. Like, oh, wow. Like there's smut, but like, yeah, I'm just saying, I, I love, I fucking love romance. So the Obi-Wan Kenobi Satine romance, this is, this is some Jane Austen level shit. This is big Pride and Prejudice energy mm-hmm. going on between these two. This is two people who, when they were young and in crisis, living in what Anakin Skywalker accurately identifies as a very romantic situation. Uh, so in the first moments of the second episode, <laughs> Anakin is with Obi-Wan and Obi-Wan says something uh, like very slight like uh, your average person wouldn't have picked up on it at all but because mm-hmm. Anakin likes to project his own uh insecurities on other people like Anakin picked up picked up on it right away and he's well, yeah. like so so you two are fucking <laughs> like like really quick you know and well, everyone's like no shut up they're they're like in it right they're like in the elevator on the way up to go see Satine. they just set all the troops to go to look around make sure nobody's trying to kill her and somebody totally is um and they have a conversation in the elevator that is almost exactly like the conversation that obi-wan and anakin had in attack of the clones yes you i sense that you're anxious yeah and horny yeah <laughs> <laughs> so horny. I, I added that last part. It's, it's not actually. But said. no, the implication was there. Um, <laughs> the implication. And, and 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 then so you know he he observes that Anakin Skywalker is all of us observing this interaction mm-hmm. as Obi Wan and Satine just start bickering like people who have seen each other naked and would like to do that again but they can't and so they're just and. It's glorious. I love the banter. Uh, what is it ex- specifically? There's something specifically that Obi-Wan says. Not Obi-Wan. Satine says uh, she introduces uh, Obi-Wan to the room full of senators that are with her and says, Senators, I presume you are acquainted with the collection of half-truths and hyperbole known as Obi-Wan Kenobi. Your highness is too kind. You're right. I am. <laughs> and behind Obi-Wan throughout this scene, I recommend you go back and watch it again. Because throughout this scene, over Obi-Wan's shoulder, there's Anakin standing there with a martini, just watching the tennis match. Yeah, like, yeah. He has this whoop. smug he has this look on his face, like, mm-hmm. I know what's going on right now. He's I don't like, want to hear I don't want to hear shit in the future about me and Badman. <laughs> I don't want to hear shit. Exactly. But He's not to that point yet right now. He's just like, oh, my God, Obi-Wan has a girlfriend. Like, he ships it so hard. He wants to, like, reach over and grab them by the face and go, now kiss. Like, he's just... (laughs) I don't want to be the only Jedi anymore that's (laughs) doing somebody important. (laughs) He is such a fan. He thinks it's adorable. Later, he asks Obi-Wan about their history, and Obi-Wan explains that, like, Civil War on Mandalore, 
he and Qui-Gon got sent to go protect Satine, and he spent like a year being Satine's personal bodyguard. And they were constantly on the run, constant, constantly encountering threats and, and having to hide and never knowing... They were what always on the run, living hand to mouth, never sure what the next day would bring. Sounds romantic. <laughs> oh my god, right? <laughs> and it does! It's a romance novel! Yeah. So, of course, of course they fell in love. Of course they banged. Of course Satine had a love child with Obi-Wan Kenobi. I would love a, like, it doesn't have, it it just needs to be, like, three, four episodes. I would love a... Of them banging it out? I agree. Okay, no, I, I, no, that's not, but that's not why I want to watch it. The the thing I'm most (laughs) curious about, about that dynamic is remember what Obi-Wan says is, like, me and Master Qui Gon had to go and protect her. Qui Gon mm-hmm. was there, right? I would love to know how Qui Gon reacted to all of that. Because there's no way he didn't know. No, no fucking there's way. There's no yeah. way. And you know he would have. Unlike Obi Wan, and and this is probably this is probably one of the reasons why Obi Wan doesn't really push Anakin too hard on the Padme thing because he's exactly he would be yeah. a total fucking hypocrite. But I don't, I don't know. I feel like Obi Wan's pretty comfortable with hypocrisy. Yeah. True. <laughs> but Qui Gon would have said something real fucking fast. I feel if like. he dis- if he disapproved. Why wouldn't he disapprove? M- but maybe he didn't. We don't know. We can't ask him. That's He's true. super dead. But maybe he didn't disapprove. Qui Gon Qui Gon was more of a free love kind of Jedi. <laughs> Qui Gon did not agree with the Jedi Council's rules in a lot of ways. That's true. That is true. And that that current of of going his own way ran really deep. And maybe maybe he thought. Honestly, maybe maybe there were moments where Qui-Gon was like, if Obi-Wan chooses to leave the Order and go be with her, I'm happy for him. Maybe that was something that Obi-Wan, that, that Qui-Gon was, was thinking. Maybe Qui-Gon had a moment of, of a little sadness for Obi-Wan when they did ultimately leave the planet and leave her behind. Yeah, I maybe I'm writing fan fiction about that. I right think now. I think we're writing the script right now. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody get Favreau on the phone right now. We have right? a we have a show idea. Don't tell Kathleen Kennedy. She's just gonna ruin it. <laughs> God damn it, I'm Christopher! Joking. That is not true. <laughs> <laughs> I love that joke so much, I, and I, it's because I love <laughs> Kathleen Kennedy. Boo! Adore her, Boom. and she's everybody's boss. Everybody's boss. Literally everybody's boss. Yeah, Star Wars. All, anyway, all of our bosses. So Obi Wan and Satine. These are two people who are truly, madly, deeply in love, but everything is keeping them apart. Again, Jane Austen, Pride and Prejudice, Sense and Sensibility. That is the energy we're working with here. They have their circumstances. She is born into a ruling family of Mandalore. He is a Jedi. Uh, they have the <laughs> duty. Not. <laughs> he is not. He is a Jedi. They have an extreme duty and obligation to their respective lives. And none of that overlaps with mm-hmm. each other. Mm-hmm. If they were to be together, one of them would have to quit what they are doing yeah. to go and be with the other. And neither of them, they are both excellent servants of their own cause and their own circumstances and obligations. They are too much alike. Is the problem, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and so well, they just—they fucking can't. I think one, they of can't the key, be one of the key differences between the Satine and Obi Wan dynamic versus the Padme Anakin dynamic. Mm. I well, besides the besides the obvious abuse, um, yeah, besides <laughs> the lack of abuse going yeah, on between Obi Wan uh, and Satine, that I, I I still believe at this point in time, at this moment in the Clone Wars, both Anakin and Padme are planning to quit their right. their lives to be together. Okay. 
They, I mean, they're married, right? Mm-hmm. Sat- uh, Satine and Obi-Wan never, ever get that far. No. They don't get a chance. Right. So, mm. you know, Anakin and Padme, uh, Padme's looking forward to a life outside of politics, and mm-hmm. Anakin, I'm not sure if Anakin really has come to terms with it yet, but he probably suspects he's not going to be able to be a Jedi. Yeah, and that's why as things go on throughout Clone Wars and certain people end up falling out of the Jedi Order, um, and he sees that, like, this, it, it's a conflict for him mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. So, here's the thing. In a romance novel... The romance novel, Happily Ever After Ending, the H-E-A, is that they would defy all of the forces that are pulling them apart to be together and live happily ever after and ride off into the sunset on their giant Hitachi wand ship. But the reality of the the situation is these two could never be happy together having abandoned their duty. Mm -hmm. But Mm -hmm. now they're Mm -hmm. they're unhappy apart. Like there is no happiness for either of them when it comes to this relationship. And Obi-Wan even calls it. He says, you know, uh, he and Anakin are talking and Anakin's like, well, Master Yoda does say we shouldn't have attachments. And Obi-Wan's like, yes, but he usually leaves out the undercurrent of remorse. Yeah, that, that was a great line. Yeah, Obi-Wan's got regrets with a capital R, but there's nothing they can do about it. And that is tragic and you can see on Anakin's face he hurts for his friend he sees the tragedy here but you know what's even more tragic Anakin force choking your pregnant wife on a lava planet nah I feel like that's even (laughs) that's even more tragic so maybe going for it isn't a isn't a great idea either I'm telling you nobody has happy endings no in Star Wars there's not in this space opera this is a soap opera space opera this yeah. is this is high drama space opera. You can't have <laughs> happiness. You gotta have the conflict. You gotta have the yearning. And there's a lot, a lot of yearning going on throughout these episodes. It's so delicious. If you <laughs> if you have listen to me out there, if you are a Star Wars nerd and you love Clone Wars and you have a partner in your life, a romantic partner, who doesn't get it, or but they whatever you have someone in your life who doesn't get the star wars thing and you want them to get it and maybe they're really into romance maybe they're really into romance novels show them these episodes show Uh them these three episodes right here you will have them hooked for life i guarantee you because this shit right here is catnip Uh these three episodes are so yummy for a romance lover oh so good so good but let's but let's uh let's talk about the political dynamic now. Okay. So I just compared Death Watch to MAGA, so I'm sure all two of our conservative listeners are gonna fucking explode. I, I compared right, I compared Death Watch to the Taliban. So Okay, that's fair. There you go. Yeah, mm-hmm. there you go. Same difference. I, I, um, I, yeah, exactly. Uh domestic terrorist. What? But it, to quote fifth element Evil begets evil, Mr. President. Shooting will only make it stronger. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. The Jedi are the opposite on the ideological spectrum, but they're still ideological. So rational, oh, yeah. rationalism, uh, facts, uh, doing what you have to do to be to actually get to a better point is not in the Jedi's wheelhouse. They mm-hmm. are blinded by, as Satim put it, political convenience. Right. Right. And you know when I get into political arguments all the time, or even something pop culture related like the Free Britney thing. If I stay intellectually consistent and factual, I get shat on by both sides. 
And mm-hmm. a lot of my friends are the same way, get that all the time. And that is Satine. Satine is trying, she is correct when she's saying the only way to stop uh, uh, having wars is to not fight. Is to stop fucking fighting. Stop fucking that fighting. That stops a war real quick if you stop fighting. And while, you know, either both Death Watch and the Jedi have this in common, doing nothing is weak. Mm-hmm. And, and from their perspective, in Satine's perspective, doing nothing is the hardest thing you could possibly do. Right. And she is willing to die for that. And I feel like that is a lesson that Obi-Wan takes to heart. Because what do we do? What 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 does he and, and Yoda too? But what does Obi-Wan do at the end of episode three? He does nothing. He does nothing. He sits fucking still. He stops fighting and he guards one boy. Well, as far as we know for now, well, that could, that yeah, could possibly like, change. <laughs> the Kenobi show could change everything. But as far as we know the story right now, he he does nothing. And it seems like, and we, we have both uh, been, we have a history on this show of being like, and then Yoda went and pounded in a, pounded, pounded, he pounded in a swamp. God damn it. And he probably did that too. Yeah. What, what are you going to, you can't, you can't be out in a swamp by yourself and do there's, nothing. You there's know. frogs out there. There's <laughs> God damn it. God. Yoda went and pouted in a swamp for 20 <laughs> years. Like, <laughs> You did that to me first, by the way. You ruined my childhood with your stupid ass sound bites. Yeah, I regret nothing. Yeah. Um, we have made fun of them for sitting on the sidelines and doing nothing. But maybe, maybe... We can string together here that that was that was Obi Wan taking Satine's lesson to heart, which is just sit still, don't fight. That's the only way to stop the war, is to knock it the fuck off. Yeah, taking taking the high road, doing the harder mm-hmm. thing of not fighting somebody. If the Trade Federation took the high road back before Episode One and just continued negotiating, they would still be around. They wouldn't be utterly destroyed. Right. But they wanted to take the quick and easy dirty path mm-hmm. to to dominance and financial stuffity stuffs and lots of money. And that is the temptation that uh, City has offered them. Mm-hmm. And they sure took it. And that's why that's that's why I saw I, that's why I love Satine so much. And I identify mm-hmm. with her so much. She's like one of my favorite side Clone Wars characters. I love her. I just I love her. I, I hate the model. <laughs> Would you back up off her? She looks like Kate Blanchett is wearing no. Padme Amidala's outfits. What is wrong with you? Well, that you you say that, but they actually, uh, according, I, I just found a Dave Filoni quote where they did use a previous uh, design from I think Episode One uh, mm-hmm. for uh, that they did for Queen Amidala and used right used uh, that. And I get it, like. I get it. Like p- rulers in the Star Wars galaxy are going to wear some of the craziest shit. Mm-hmm. I don't have to like it. <laughs> <laughs> you don't like all of the like. What are they? Irises? Some kind of weird tube flower? Bunch of them woven I, into her hair. That's uh, good. Uh, my 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 friend Catherine says it looks like unfurled used tampons were glued oh, to her. <laughs> were glued to I, her headdress. <laughs> God damn it! Now I can't unsee it. Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. Oh my god. Okay. God damn it. Um. So, getting back on fucking track, Satine. We are on track. 
she's I, yeah i know i just don't want to talk about the tampon headdress anymore <laughs> i want to change the subject now she looks great with that off she, like you know when, when she's yeah. tri- when she's on coruscant running for her life she is stunning (laughs) she is stunningly beautiful she is brilliant she has uh solid convictions and she can argue and defend them Mm -hmm. uh and like no fucking wonder obi-wan fell in love with her oh yeah like oh i'm in love with her yeah Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) that right there and and speaking of in love that moment on the coronet where she's literally got a gun to her head because talmeric is is holding her as a hostage and he's about to leave and she's like i've loved you from the moment you came to my aid all those years ago and obi-wan's like now now (laughs) this is not when we're and she just gives him a look and he's like okay fine all right had you said the word, I would have left the Jedi Order. Uh-huh. Oh, my God. But my favorite part of that scene, okay, there's there's two there's two versions of me watching that scene. There's romance novel me that's just like, hmm, just heart eyes, just, oh, my God, the confession of love under duress. I just, oh, I love it. Then there's the other version of me that's looking at the look on Tal Merrick's face behind them. <laughs> While they're doing this, he's literally like, like, are you fucking kidding me right now? <clears throat> like he is throwing up in his mouth a little because yeah. of this ridiculousness between them. <sighs> that was just, ah, I love that scene. And then, and then, of oh, course. Well, I, I know. We're, okay, you go. You go. Okay, okay, okay. And then she, uh, Satine is no fucking slouch. She can take care of herself. She stomps on his foot. She gets his gun. And now Satine and Obi-Wan are both pointing weapons at him. And he's like, oh, ho, ho, ho. But what are you going to do now? He's like practically twirling his mustache because if Satine kills him, she will have spat upon all of the pacifist ideals that are the basis of her integrity in being who she is in this galaxy and leading all of these people. If Obi-Wan kills him, well then... That's not very Jedi of you, and people on the ship might thank you for saving them, but there's one person who won't, and it's your pacifist girlfriend who you just said you love. And he's, like, really, really reveling in this moment where he gets to make them choose which one of them is going to be the cold-blooded killer. And then what happens? Well, and then a lightsaber blasts through his chest like an alien, uh, like an alien popping out of somebody's chest. And uh, Darth Vader, oh, I mean Anakin, uh, kills him. Anakin, what? He was gonna blow up the ship. Just kills him straight up, super casual, while the Vader theme is playing. Just uh-huh. murders him. When you open that box, uh, you do not close it. You can't close no. that shit again. And they look at him in horror, and he's like, "What? He was gonna blow up the ship." <laughs> like easy totally. rationalization. Eh, fuck yeah. it, I'm killing him. <laughs> yeah, it was awesome. I love. That's my favorite scene in all three of these episodes. Is that right there? That, right that there. had everything. That fed all the parts of my soul. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 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 fun, uh, fun factoid: If those of you that played uh, uh, Fallen Order, Star Wars Fallen Order, mm-hmm. the scene at the end where Darth Vader jumps down and kills what's her name, modeled after that scene. Oh, because mm-hmm. he kills her oh. just the same way. Interesting. Uh-huh. I haven't actually played Jedi Fallen Order, so thanks for You're that. Fucking kidding it. me! What? You haven't played that. You haven't watched the YouTube videos of Vader rolling up on him and 
Oh. No, weirdly enough, I haven't hunted the internet for YouTube videos of a scene I didn't know existed until right now. Yeah, I thought I thought your partner played it. Yeah, but I didn't watch the whole thing. Heather, it's such a good story. I'm sure it is, and I'll play it now, but I've had the ending spoiled. The, cute, me, the so. cutest droid, the best side character. It's like my favorite <laughs> Star Wars story right now. Oh my god, I'll play it. I'm in Mass Effect hell right now, though. Oh, tell me about I it. I only have Holy so fuck. much of my life that can do video games, and I'm currently strip mining the galaxy so I can save it from itself. So, okay? I've got to bang my Turian boyfriend. You got it. Are you playing two? <laughs> I'm still in two, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. Anyway, yeah, yeah I'm... I'm, I'm Anyway, we're some off of us, topic. We're some off of topic. us don't have time to play a lot of video games because they're spending too much time editing a goddamn podcast, Heather. And we appreciate it. Thank you very much. Mm-hmm. You're my favorite. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. Anyway. <laughs> okay. Uh, so, uh, where do we... I You had alluded in our uh, conversations, one of the many conversations that we have over chat where I'm like, shut up and save it for the microphone. Yeah. You had alluded that you had some commentary to make about Obi-Wan Kenobi in these episodes. Would yeah. you like to share that commentary with me? No. Uh, yeah, we're, I, I, the good timing, because I actually want to talk about that right now. Okay. So I have said, jokingly, <laughs> that Obi-Wan Kenobi is kind of an asshole. <laughs> we have an Obi-Wan Kenobi being an asshole counter on this show. But he legitimately pissed me off this time. Like, he oh. legitimately made me okay. angry. Tell me, tell me, tell me all about it. Yeah, so uh, another horrible dynamic between Satine and Obi-Wan. So we've never seen Obi-Wan really with a love interest before. Right. Uh, and he, from his perspective, he thinks Satine is being uh, gullible, too idealistic, She need, mm-hmm. uh, that she's not fighting for her people, and which she totally is, by the way. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so he fucking mansplains her over and over and over again. And mm-hmm. in the, in the uh, third episode... Uh, you know, after Satine gets out political maneuvered by, you know, a Sith Lord, uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> it happens. Uh, <laughs> to the best of us. Obi-Wan actually suggests that he, she's being hysterical. Any person would be hysterical by now, but... Hysterical! <gasps> uh-huh. Now, Stephanie, don't you love it when a man tells you you're being hysterical? When I heard him say... Anyone in your position would be hysterical right now, as though he were trying to make her feel better about an emotional reaction she was not fucking having. No, because she was angry. Right. As though he was projecting some kind of an emotional reaction onto her so that he could then step in and comfort her for it by calling her hysterical. Uh, I have flames. Flames. On the sides of my face. <laughs> Heaving. He, look, I... I have said it before and I will say it again until I'm blue in the face. I love Obi-Wan Kenobi. I do. He's my favorite. However, the word hysterical is a hell of a word to throw around when you are talking to a woman. Mm-hmm. It is loaded. Are you familiar with the historical context of hysterical? No. Please tell me. Do you know what hysteria is? Uh, it's a great song by Muse. Oh, bless. That is accurate. However, <laughs> the word hysteria, uh, the, the origin of hysteria, hysteria as a medical diagnosis, it was used by doctors for centuries uh, to particularly like Victorian times and onward to diagnose women who have an attitude problem as they have hysteria. That, that that woman is acting up because literally hysteria, the root word of it, refers to the uterus. She's acting up because her uterus is doing shit what? inside of her. So her her woman stuff, the girl parts that make her womany, those things are making her act up. 
Those things are making that woman crazy. And so we don't have to listen to her or address any of her needs or concerns. And we certainly don't have to take anything she says seriously because it's just her hysteria. It's an extremely condescending and dismissive medical diagnosis that then, after being disproven as a fucking medical diagnosis, evolved into a way to dismiss a woman's emotional response. Oh, she's just being hysterical. Oh, she's just being an emotional woman person. And by woman, I mean anybody who is moving through the world as a female. You don't actually have to have a uterus to be the subject of somebody condescendingly referring to you as hysterical. Like any anyone who interacts with the world from a female or a feminine perspective, yeah. this happens to them. Fucking hysterical. Really, Obi-Wan? Really? And, but it also made me side-eye the writers. I'm like, really? That's where we're going with this? But they barely redeemed themselves because who is not even a little bit hysterical in that moment? Fucking Satine. She's not hysterical. She's just angry. She is angry. She is calculating. Yeah. She is planning her next move. She was not, like, he had to call her name like five times to get her to turn around because she's fucking busy, Mm -hmm. Obi-Wan. Mm-hmm. (laughs) <laughs> I will call you when I want you want to send for you type of right. situation. Like, yeah. I don't have time for you right now. But here's the thing. Okay, so Obi-Wan's no good at romantic relationships. This is his only one. No. Yeah. Uh, it's, like, it's like there's this huge gap in the Jedi knowledge, which is how to handle all manner of interpersonal relationships. But okay, whatever. Um And so he, in this moment, he is so worried for her and scared for her. He's projecting onto her. He's a little hysterical in that moment. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. He's a little, because like people are definitely, people have already been trying to kill her. And like, she's in danger, not just physically, but politically. Like she's being attacked from all sides. And he, he's got some emotional turmoil about it. I feel like he was projecting that onto her. Mm So that she could then validate the fact that he was feeling that way. And when she was like, don't project your shit onto me. You deal with your own shit. I have thousands of planets to consider here. I can't consider one little man's feelings, okay? I don't have time. She's she's like, I'm on girl boss mode. Leave me alone. Take your penis and go play outside. I don't have time for it right now. Shit. Get your, like, I appreciate that Obi-Wan's trying to, like, have some kind of being in touch with his emotions thing in a positive way, Anakin. But it's this is not the time. She doesn't have time for it. Emotions later, politics now. And, like. Love it. And that's why she's my favorite. Yeah. I love her. I love her so much. And this was not a good moment for him, but this is also absolutely a beat that happens in romance, in romance novels. The hero has to fuck up. The hero has mm-hmm. to be an asshole and has to get fucking shot down by by the heroine. We see it in Pride and Prejudice, where Mr. Darcy's like, I love you even though you suck and your family sucks and everything about you sucks, but I love you anyway. Let's get married. And she's like, hold on, back up. Perhaps these offenses might have been overlooked had not your pride been hurt by my honesty and admitting scruples about our relationship. Could you expect me to rejoice in the inferiority of your circumstances? And those are the words of a gentleman. From the first moment I met you, your arrogance and conceit, your selfish disdain for the feelings of others made me realise that you were the last man in the world I could ever be prevailed upon to marry. I've never, I've actually never read Pride and Prejudice. You don't need to read it. Watch the movie. The one I don't with Keira Knightley. I know. Either. She's, it's so good. You don't want to. You don't want to. There's no, no music. No, I'm sorry. Uh, I, despite my effeminate 
nature. I, I, <laughs> no, I, you would be like, can we skip to the part where they bang? They don't bang. Nobody bangs in a Jane Austen novel. Why did? Why do people watch it? Because of the romance. Oh, God. Anyway. <laughs> There's a moment where she touches his hand, and but they kind of hate each other right then. But he helps her onto a coach, and then he's walking away, and the, the spot on his hand where she touched him, he, like, flexes his hand because it's like he can still feel her touching his hand. Oh! <sighs> uh Ladies and gentlemen, we're apparently going to change our podcast now to <laughs> Stephanie's Romance Hour. <laughs> I fucking love romance. Anyway, so this is this is that beat that has to happen in any romance novel where the hero fucks up and the heroine's like, fuck you, mm-hmm. and they go their separate ways. But then, oh no, a danger brings them back together again. So, And then he's, he's contrite and he feels bad and he helps her out with the danger thing and sort of redeems himself. Mm-hmm. That's how that goes. It's a romance thing. So let me tell you about another uh, sexist pig, because I'm realizing there is a re- reoccurring pattern. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Go on. Tell me. Uh, Supreme Chancellor Palpatine <laughs> has a tendency <laughs> of underestimating <laughs> strong women. Oh, yeah. What's up with that? The team-up between Padme Amidala and Satine Kryze is the biggest threat to his ability to take over the galaxy yeah. to date. Still. To date. Yeah. Oh, my God. Like, okay, so there's this uh, recording that he doctors where he makes it look like Mandalore is like, please send the Republic troops over here. And mm-hmm. he's like, see, we got to send them. We're going to vote about it. And Satine's like, there's no way that guy would have said that. And Sidious is like, well, we'll never know because he's dead mysteriously. It's so weird. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I, I think a car hit him or something. Or something. It was like, no, it was the Death Watch. Death Watch bombing. Terrorist. No, yeah, bad, yeah, Death bad, Watch. Bad, bad. Yeah, no, he's at... Uh, uh, a bomb, huh? There's. A, it looks like a whole lot of lightning went through his house. And it's the weirdest thing. It's weird, uh, yeah. <laughs> I was flying right over, saw the whole thing. I don't know which time. But, uh, but yeah, he's like, uh, no, this guy's dead. You can't question him. And she gets a hold uh, through her contact, who's also murdered because there's an assassin on the planet looking for her. She gets a hold of the original recording that proves that Mandalore was like, do not send the Republic here. Mm-hmm. We do not want you here. And she smuggles it to obi-wan and obi-wan's like i will I, i'll just take this in and she's like and no, well, no, she's no. like take that shit to padme do not take it to the jedi order yeah. do not take it anywhere don't else. take it to the jedi order do not take it to the chancellor somebody in the government doctored this recording the only person i trust is padme amidala because we have the same uh taylor <laughs> <laughs> we we share hairdressers that they fly yeah. back and forth between mandalore and naboo you know yeah that's a that's a short jaunt Anyway, uh, and so my, one of my favorite moments in the episode is when uh, they're on the Senate floor and Sidious is like, okay, we're going to go uh, invade, I mean, help Mandalore yeah. <laughs> now. And Padme's like, hold on just one second. Hold on. I've got this recording I need you to see. And it's one of and the few like, times I see Pat on uh, Palpatine's face, he, lo- he almost loses his shit. Yeah. Like for a brief moment. Because he has no choice, because they're on the Senate floor, he has to say, The chair recognizes the senator from Naboo. And I feel like the re- the rest of that line was, This royal colossal pain in my ass, mm-hmm. the senator from Naboo. I'm going to kill her so much sooner now, Yeah, <laughs> the senator from Naboo. He's so pissed, but he can't do anything about it. She plays the recording that proves that Mandalore does not want Republic intervention, and so the Republic does not intervene. And Satine wins the day. Mm-hmm. kind of kind of right sorry. now just just wait though because now you've set yourself up as a problem that Sidious needs to solve and he will find a way to do that some way somehow 
But right at the end, so they do succeed. Obi-Wan helps. Obi-Wan gets over his fucking self and uh, sets aside all of his bullshit ideas about how Satine should be running her life and her planet uh, and just shuts the fuck up and helps her, which is brilliant. Mm -hmm. Good job, sir. Mm -hmm. Everybody's got to go through that journey. And he does. He helps her do it. And she very magnanimously right at the end thanks him for helping. But for you, this wouldn't have happened. And he very correctly turns it back around and goes, oh, no, no, this was all you. Mm-hmm. No, it was your unshakable faith in your people and your determination that brought about this result. He gives her the credit that she's due in that moment. And so um, I'm in love with him again. I forgive him for the hysteria thing. Oh, God. Love him forever and ever. Just like that. Obi-Wan and me. <laughs> he's such an asshole anyway he's such an asshole i love him but he has he oh he's slipping and falling a few times oh yeah. i mean this, they, in these episodes has, doesn't everybody right i so, mean not at, me but everybody else. well no i mean <laughs> no i make the mistakes all the time because those turn out to be sexy eventually um mm-hmm. so i'm scrolling through my notes at this point because we are kind of scattershot all over the map I yeah have a no couple, uh uh, of trivia points, but that's about it. What have you got? What What would you like to talk about? There, there is one more thing I would like to talk about. It's more like a shout out because he brought me so much delight in the second episode. I, hmm. I just had to laugh. Uh, Orin Frita. <laughs> I love that. First, I love how scared he gets and what a what a crazy bitch he acts act, acts like so so many times. But my uh-huh. favorite thing is he never drops the fucking chicken leg. <laughs> he never drops his I fried noodle leg. <laughs> and I'm like, That's... I'm like, you know, I'm watching these episodes. I'm like, I want to be Satine. You know, part of me wants to be Anakin because cool Jedi. <laughs> right. But in reality, I am Orn Free Ta. I'm Orn Free Ta. I brought I brought my harem with me. Yep. Uh, I've got a chicken leg in one hand and a martini in the other. Yep. That and is. Like, I feel seen. And uh, bless him, right? But bless Orn Free Ta. Like it's easy to to write him off as like the 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 corpulent senator joke, but he is still he's still a politician. And oh, like yeah. at that that scene where uh, Obi Wan comes in and and like he and Satine are just fucking spitting fire at each other. Orn Free Ta physically puts himself in between them. Yeah, and is like, hey, you know what? Everybody's got a perspective. <laughs> let's have some drinks and enjoy let's ourselves, just, which let's is just totally. Chill. That is totally something I have done in the past when I've had, you know, two gays, like, fighting each other. And I'm like, mm-hmm. hey, brother, sister, let's uh, let's have some shots and stop let's, fighting, which doesn't let's work. Let's chill. It never let's works. Just, let's find something. No, it never, never works. works. It didn't work then. It never will work. It's not. I don't think it's going to work. Um, I found some cool, like, bits of trivia. Okay. I'm going to share with you. Um, so when they're on Coruscant and Satine is on the run because she is suspected of murdering the guy that she was getting the information from. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's super cleverly in disguise in a full body cloak. With Mandalorian <sighs> script on it. Yeah. Okay, sure. Yeah. Okay. I did appreciate because, you know, you see people running around in a full body cloak with the hood up and you're like, so the person I'm looking for, it's the one with the hood up, right? Mm-hmm. I did appreciate that in the the Coruscant crowd shots, apparently full body cloak with the hood up is kind of a trend. Like lots of people are wearing them. So it's easy to get lost in the crowd. Okay. Okay. But she meets Obi-Wan on this big plaza that's got like these big like pyramids on it. And they're sort of centered around like a big rock in the middle. Mm -hmm. Uh, So that plaza is based on a Ralph McCrory concept painting 
from back in the day. Oh. Yeah. And in the middle of that plaza is the last remaining bare rock on the entire planet of Coruscant. Wow. That one rock, everything else is paved over and developed and, and everything. There's no bare dirt anywhere on Coruscant except for right here in this plaza. And the design of the rock is actually based on an actual boulder that exists here on Earth on the road headed towards the Lucasfilm Animation HQ mm-hmm. in Northern California. Um, it's actually the reason why Big Rock Campus is the name of a section of, of Skywalker Ranch because of the Big Rock. And wow. that big rock, that big rock now exists on Coruscant <laughs> as the only, the only, the, the only, only not, rock, the only piece <laughs> of natural landscape left on that fucking planet. I love it. That's amazing. Is this one rock? Um, also on Coruscant, you know, you've got the Coruscant Guard, which are the clones that are apparently they're a little less battle hardened than, say, our clones that have been sent out to war. So yeah, they're they're kind of Keystone Copsy. And they are taking Satine's picture around to people to show and be like, have you seen this woman? Yeah. Did you see the conversation with the Athorian? Where, where he's like, like, I don't understand you. <laughs> well, well, where they're like, hey, have you seen this woman? And he, you know, Athorian's back at them. And they're like, I don't think he understands us. Let's go. I found a translation of that conversation. Oh, wow. Would you like to hear the translation? I would love, to, love it. So the clone says, if you see this woman... Report it to the local authorities. The authorian says, Yeah, yeah, I just saw her. <laughs> and the clone says, Ah, uh, you know, I don't think he understands this. Let's try someone else. And the authorian goes, No, wait, she's over there. And he points at Satine. Oh my god. <laughs> and the clones are like, ah, are they uh, We don't off? understand the fucking <laughs> Oh, poor Thorian racism. I know. Uh, So, you know, you'd think that, you know, by the time we get to the Bad Batch, we've got an Thorian who's got a translator rig on his head so you can understand him. You'd think that'd be like a common technology that Thorians would use, but nah. Nope. Nah. Nope. Uh, When when Doc Ondar in Batu does not wear a fucking translator, and if you don't understand him, you can get the fuck out of his store. (laughs) So that works. Okay. (laughs) Sorry. Nerd. Like he's a... Like he's a real person. He is real. He's real. He is real. He's a real animatronic. Wow. Animatronics aren't people. What happened to you when you were a child? But you know what? Don't tell them I said that. No, I'm. Uh, no. I I for one welcome our robot overlords, Thanks. and I will learn their language. <laughs> Damn right you will. Goddamn right. Okay. Um. So. I mean, do we have anything else that we need to cover? We have been rambling all over the fucking map about these episodes. This is what happens when we abandon the structure, Heather. I, I, but I feel like we've talked effectively about the whole uh, story because, yeah, it, you know, it's the big. This is really a major plot point for all of Star Wars, and mm-hmm. going. I just felt like going uh, scene by scene would have somehow prevented us from being able to tell that whole story so yeah here we are. and also it would have taken four hours instead of the almost yeah two and, and i right have now. to so <laughs> i gotta get paid i gotta work. right <laughs> some of us gotta go to work after this so um in conclusion how do we feel about these episodes um i do love them mm-hmm. i love but i love the promise more than the actual episodes like like especially now that you know first time i've seen this since season two mandalorian uh it's just like everything that these three episodes introduce in the Star Wars universe, it is still apparent today. Yeah. And I am so looking forward to 
<laughs> see what happens with the Mandalorian show, the Dark Saber, and all that kind of stuff. We haven't even gotten to Bo Katan, who's going to show up later. I love yeah. her so much, even though she's an insufferable jerk sometimes. Right. Uh, but you know what? I fucking I I love the Mandalorians. I I, I love them so much. And it's it's you know Satine's going to turn out to be a tragic figure, but you know mm-hmm. what? At the end of the day, she was right. She is right. Uh, and she is going to stand by that for as long as she can. And like this also, you know, this story, this just adds to the the tragedy of Obi-Wan Kenobi as well. Yeah. Like This is a tragic love story between these two. Let's not get that twisted. That's not a spoiler. There's no way they can be together. They just fucking can't. And that's so goddamn sad. And you've got Anakin who's like, but why not? Like, I did it. Like, you could do that. It's not that hard. Look, you just get secret married and then you lie to everybody for forever. Mm-hmm. And then you force choke her on a lava planet. A, B, C. Step one, two, three. <laughs> and I think most importantly, it's great to see that Count Dooku learned about outsourcing. <laughs> it really does. It really does keep costs down. <laughs> no. And that's, again, Star Wars is totally political because, look, this is what happens when you outsource your jobs. Yep. It's just shit happens. You get death anyway, watch. Anyway, <laughs> terrorism. Um, I really, obviously, I love these episodes. Mm-hmm. Obviously, I loved uh, a story that focuses on Obi-Wan and expands his character um, by providing him with a fucking badass counterfoil romantic interest thing. And, I, you know, it sucks. It sucks that it's not going to end well, but that's what fan fiction is for. And um, <laughs> not saying that you shouldn't go to AO3 right now and go through Star Wars and do the Obi-Wan Satine pairing and comfort yourselves with those stories. But I'm not not saying that either. So, wow. 10 out of 10 do recommend. Anyway, it's so good. These these stories are so good. It lays all the seeds for all the conflict that we're going to have going forward. Pre Vizsla is not out of our lives. He's a whiny bitch right now, but he's a whiny bitch who's a problem. And that is another ongoing theme in Star Wars. Mm-hmm. The, the whiny bitch that you want to dismiss, he's going to be a problem for you later. Oh my gosh. Oh He's going to, he's going to, you, you want to talk about whiny bitches who are problems, Kylo Ren? <laughs> I mean, problematic whiny bitches. Wow. Anakin Skywalker? I mean. Wow. Yeah, watch out for the whiny bitch with mm-hmm. the power trip who wants to take over a planet. Like, it's a problem. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Anyway, uh, so yeah, in conclusion, love these episodes. Don't have anything else to say about them uh, that I haven't already said. So I guess that means I'm done talking. <laughs> well, hey, uh, 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 so what are we going to do next? What's coming? What's our next episode going to be about? Speaking of whiny bitches. Speaking of whiny bitches, what are we talking about next? (laughs) So next, wow. Okay. So the next three episodes, which are the last episodes in season two. Holy shit. Because we just did uh, episodes 12, 13, and 14. And in the glorious StarWars.com chronological order, that means that the next episode after 14 is 20. Um, (laughs) So we have... See, that's because we've already watched, you know, 15, 16, 17, 18, and 19. Those have already happened. Um, so anyway, season two, episode 20, Death Trap, episode 21, R2 Come Home, and episode 22, Lethal Trackdown, are another trilogy. Do we want to do this again? Well, uh, uh, I may have already watched these episodes. Um, 
there's a lot more action packed into these three, so there's going to be less to talk about overall. Oh, okay. We're, okay. It's really a story about revenge and, it and is. love. <laughs> the a tale as old as time. Yeah. Uh, little boy sees father murdered by Jedi, comes back to kill Jedi. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, and so, again, speaking of things that plant the seeds for shit that is consequential later, yeah, Lil Boba Fett is back in the next episode that we're going to talk about. And I'm going to have, I think, some mixed feelings about watching little baby Boba Fett do things uh, when I would like to do things with grown-up, scarred-ass Boba Fett from The Mandalorian. Yeah. So, yeah. That feels a little creepy. Like, oh, I'm going to wait for you to grow up so I can... Oh. <laughs> what do they call that? Grooming? That's grooming. Well, That's it's, what you're like is. a Hollywood director. <clears throat> oh, mm-hmm. no. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Oh. I went there. Well, now that I feel dirty in a bad way... <laughs> God damn it. Okay. So, yes. Next then, time and, we are going to be... And then what? so after this trilogy, we're going to go right into season three, Clone Wars? Is that what the plan was? We can, or we can take a little break in between the seasons, and we can watch something else. We'll talk about it. We'll see. Okay. Because I'm really worried <laughs> on what you're going to suggest. Because I, 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 I really don't want to talk about it. Okay. Well, we'll see. I, I have to. I have to compare and see like where the chronology lands because it's not really like off topic enough. <laughs> Maybe it actually lands in the in the timeline. So I'll I'll take a look at it. We'll see what we're doing after that. But next episode is season two, episodes twenty, twenty one, and twenty two, and then we're done with season two. Holy crap! That was I know. And only after thirty two episodes, so it's not bad. Uh, yes. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's great. We're moving forward at. A hell of a clip, Lord. Okay, do we have anything else for today? Uh, no. Cool. I'm gonna do the outro now. Outro? You're with me. You want an outro? I am outroing. Outro. Here we go. Hey, everybody! Thank you so much for listening. We super appreciate it. If you would like to hang out with us in between episodes, you absolutely can. We are available for that. You can find us on the social medias. Uh, we are on Twitter and uh, Facebook and Instagram, and most especially the TikTok as at Darkside Divas. Hit us up. Uh, give us questions and things to answer. We will absolutely do that. You can also listen to our podcast on your favorite podcast platform of choice. Please subscribe, please review us, and Mm -hmm. we would love you forever. And I'd like to apologize ahead of time for my hysterical (laughs) co-host. That's not going to die anytime soon, is it? Now, sweetie, it will never die. Oh, fucking you. <laughs> One of these days we're going to have to explain the now, sweetie thing, but maybe not. Maybe on our B-side <laughs> episode. Or I'll take episode. <laughs> I hate you so much. Right. And bye, everybody. Bye, y'all. I have to go kill my co